Hello, everybody, and welcome to Natter the Zillennial Podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Parent, and this is part two of my interview with Elena Moxness. I also think back to like Eminem, too, right? That's mm-hmm. why he became so famous, right? Like, he didn't become super, super famous for the fact that he's a white guy who raps, right? Like there's a lot of white guys who rap, but he became super famous because he said things no one else would. And he said things that were so powerful and so deep to him, right? And so unique to him, right? And he talks about his life a lot and he talks about the feelings that he has and he talks about, oh man, I just think of even like Stan, that's a really hard song to listen to. It's um, because that's the one about his, the fan that uh, his name was Stan and this fan wrote to him a lot and he ended up killing himself and his pregnant girlfriend. Oh my God. Because Eminem didn't respond to him and it's based on a true story. And uh, oh, it's so hard to listen to. It's an amazing song because you just hear the emotion in his voice too because he plays Stan, like he, he raps as Stan and he also raps as Eminem. Ah. And it's just, it's so interesting. Um, but yeah, and so then just being able to hear those, those personas and those, the personalities, because that's the other thing about Eminem is he has so many personas, right? Because he's Slim Shady. He's also Marshall Mathers. He's also Eminem, right? And so being mm-hmm. able to hear that difference. And I think that that's very similar to a lot of other artists that do show their emotion and do like emote that or show that power or whatever that they have um over the listener really mm-hmm. is able to have basically anything that they need to express or share um really out there yeah when you're talking about that gorillas came to mind oh yeah because that's music that was like it wasn't just targeted to kids but yeah. it was definitely like hey, this is cool music that kids can listen to, but it's also just fantastic music that so many people are are, are featured in. So many other artists are featured in, be it rappers or people singing choruses or whatever. And yeah. the different ways that these imaginary characters are very real in the sense of the music, like these people mm-hmm. exist, even though they're just figments of of the the writer's imagination um it's really cool how that can happen and how they all sound different from one another even though Damon Albarn who is the music writer and the producer for the music um he made all of the the styles he's the one writing all the songs and yet the styles of all these different musicians comes through even though he's the one doing all of it it's really exactly. bizarre, but it's really cool. And then I don't remember the name of the artist who drew the characters, but his piece in giving these characters faces affects the way you listen to the music as well and the different things that you feel. And their backstories all feel so real as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I like that example a lot. Yeah, it's really interesting. And actually, you probably know a lot more about this than I do, but even to see and to kind of understand how producers play a role in that right mm-hmm. like I don't know a lot of producers I know like the famous producers right mm-hmm. like Kanye is an amazing producer I could I you know what Kanye is such a controversial controversial um subject 
especially because he's gone kind of batshit, but like he's also yeah. <laughs> let's he just talk about the music side. Exactly, right? Like I think that like if you've listened to old Kanye, old Kanye, middle Kanye, and new Kanye are all very different. Um <laughs> like yeah. if you listen to like graduation, an amazing album. If you listen to um uh the college dropout. Oh my gosh, so good, right? Mm-hmm. And you listen to that stuff. And then I actually got into Kanye through Yeezus, which is a very interesting pathway. But uh... yeah, yeah, that's actually what I was forced to listen to first. I say that just because I wasn't into rap at the time. And Declan, who listeners already know, he made the theme song for the podcast, um, mm-hmm. was like, listen to this album. So I was like, oh, okay. So I did. And I was like, wow, this was, that was a trip. Yeah, yeah, right? Yeezus is wild. <laughs> and it's very different than anything else Kanye's ever really done. So <laughs> Yeezus was how I got in, and then I started listening to other stuff, and I'm like, wow, okay, cool. This guy's got a lot going on. But he um, he really valued sampling, first of all. He samples yeah. a lot. Um, and he also, uh, I watched a video, actually, that talks about how he uses the human voice mm-hmm. in a ton of different ways. So a lot of his beats are created from human voices. Um, he do, he uses a lot of things with like choruses and a lot of things with um, with people actually singing in the background and that kind of thing. Um, and it's really amazing to kind of hear how that can all work together, even though yeah. he's more of a rapper than anything else, right? Um, so it's I just love that he uses those human voices in there and that he has such like a an interesting character development because he is a character. That's really like yeah. no other way to look at it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, his newer stuff is not necessarily what I super love, but um, I think that he's just going in a different direction that I'm ready for. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. That is. I, I hadn't thought of it like that. But also, I don't think about Kanye West that often, so <laughs> that too. I build my argument about Kanye West because I do love Kanye West, and so when you say that, people are like, "I'm sorry, what?" And so I have to be able to like explain that. <laughs> yeah, understandable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and then that really comes down to like this is a whole other topic, but it kind of relates to the compassion piece. But um, being able to uh, separate the artist from the music. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that or not and that's a really big um argument because a lot of people say that you can't and so a lot of people refuse to listen to music from people who have done really terrible things um mm-hmm. but then it's also kind of coming from that per- compassion per- perspective is um yes this person has done a lot of really terrible things um but why did they do that right and then understanding that mindset and understanding kind of where they're at. And a lot of the times their music helps you do that. Mm-hmm. So there's the idea of critical empathy where you mm-hmm. sit and think critically about what they are going through and what you and why things are happening in their minds, the way they're happening, why they're acting certain ways. Mm-hmm. But then you also engage in your empathy with them critically to not Mm -hmm. just give everybody a free pass saying oh this is why they're like this like people are still responsible for the things that they do but having the understanding of why certain things happened Mm -hmm. also helps you to not like I don't want to get into the whole whole of cancel culture and all that but (laughs) because oh that and that's where I'm definitely heading with this thought Yeah. yeah yeah it's just you you need to keep critical empathy on the back burner 
mm-hmm. and, and kind of keep that in mind with things like this. Um, Cause there's the whole thing with JK Rowling too, and her being a big, I'm just going to say it. She is a fucking transphobe and she sucks. Yeah. My <laughs> podcast, I'm saying it. If you don't agree, then bleh, I'm a chick. Um, <laughs> but you know, like the Harry Potter series, we are all allowed to still like it, but we are going to see that there are traces of her very unloving and hate-filled thoughts in the story, mm-hmm. which we need to be cognizant of, know where they come from, and not follow them ourselves. Exactly. Well, thing too, where um, I think that's something that people are missing a lot now when it comes to cancel culture is a lot of lacking compassion, um, because if you think about any mistake that you've ever made right and that could be large it could be small right like we're all human right and that's what Mm -hmm. it comes down to um but at what point does cancel culture ignore the fact that we're human and just kind of put facts instead of where we kind of that i don't know where it's more like empathy and that kind of thing because Facts are, you can actually frame facts in any way you want, okay? Facts are great. I really, really like them. However, as a marketer and as someone who understands business at a certain level, it's really easy to show facts in a way that people want to see them or don't want to see them. And so that's where cancel culture comes in and is, in my opinion, a problem um, because of the fact that you can show that something happened, absolutely. But does that give enough weight to ignore what you didn't see, right? Yeah. How does that work, right? And that that relates to a lot of problems that we're having now and, and that kind of thing. And I do think that uh, compassion is also linked with forgiveness and a lot of things linked with, um, like with holding grudges and that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Um, and I think that... Forgiveness is all not always warranted, um, but at a certain point, what are you going to hold on to and what are you going to kind of ignore what the other person is going through to just keep that kind of grudge? Yeah, and especially when we're talking about everyday people making mistakes, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's hard to just say, oh, well, they they they're doing this. So they, they suck. Don't ever talk to them again. When it's like, well, you know what, maybe we should just point out to them, this hurts me and please don't. And a lot of people I think are more receptive to that than we like to believe. It's a lot easier to just say, Hey, don't, don't support them. Don't do this. Don't even talk to them. It's like, well, that doesn't really help our society move forward. And I agree with what you said about how our, how art helps you kind of transcend that because people go through a lot of musicians especially or all artists all people but musicians especially will go through a hard time and then put out three albums about that hard time and Mm. about what they went through and it doesn't excuse the bad things they did or the bad things that happened to them but it makes sense of our world and it helps people progress and move forward Mm. and progress is the thing that should be looked at and everyone but this is my big thing about this whole conversation is people have to have the well-being of everybody else at, at the forefront of what they're doing. Mm-hmm. It, it can't be a personal defensive um, 
response when people are like, hey, I'm not into this, please stop. It's got to be a, oh, I didn't realize this is making someone uncomfortable. This is hurting somebody. Sorry, move on, try to be better. That has to be at the core of it. The people who aren't thinking, I can be better, I want to be better, those are the people who need to be, who need to be held accountable. But for mm-hmm. everyone just making everyday bad decisions or making mistakes, we you're we yeah we need that empathy we need that compassion so badly oh exactly right and you have to think about it too like you can kind of relate that to albums right if you're listening Mm -hmm. to something and you're uncomfortable why does it make you uncomfortable right what what is it that they're saying or what is it that um is playing and it could just be that it's not your style right yep that's fine you're not I, I don't love every music that I've ever listened to, every album that I've ever listened to. Like there are many that I could point out that I could be like, nope, do not play that. <laughs> you yeah. walk into someone's car and they say, if you play country, you're out, right? <laughs> that's uh, There's a certain person, right? Yep. But uh, that's kind of like coming down to the fact that what, what really does make you uncomfortable about that? And what is it that um, kind of you've experienced or maybe you're experiencing at the moment? Mm-hmm kind of getting you to that spot and really that's where you're expecting compassion from other people exactly so there's that whole concept you're probably told this as a kid (laughs) treat others how you would like to be treated right and I like to live by that a lot because if I'm not in a good place and I don't necessarily express that right and I said that before I'm not very expressive so if I'm not having a great day or whatever and someone comes at me with a lot of heat and a lot of like a lot of power or whatever and and kind of offends me and I'm just not really in a good enough place to be able to deal with that effectively I just like to think about the way that I would have handled that situation as that person right and I'm not everybody handles things like perfectly all the time I definitely do not (laughs) but uh, I think that it's important to try and hope for the best right yeah and kind of think what that other person might expect of you right yeah and it's looking after the people around you with I know I'm a hippie at heart so I'm fine (laughs) saying it it's treating everyone with peace and love it's straight up is it's just showing basic kindness to other Mm -hmm. people yeah and that's all you really need Mm -hmm. to try to be better Oh, for sure. Well, and I work in customer service, right? So I've definitely had times where really all that you need to do to make sure that 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 person really just kind of gets what they need is to let them rant, let let them get it out, right? And then from that point, then you can just kind of share what you can help to do about that, right? You don't necessarily have to respond. There's actually a lot of times where like, I need to just vent about something and I don't necessarily need the answer or a solution. Yep. I need to like get it out. And if someone says, okay, all right, so what are you going to do now? Right. Then that's yeah. kind of what we need. Right. And there are like albums that, <laughs> that I definitely listen to in that kind of case where it's, um, where it's just like, they'll be screaming at me and I'm like, perfect. This is actually what I need because like, this is how I feel. Right. Yeah. And so like, they're just like those raging songs or whatever. And I love that because then you can kind of get that out in the way that you need. And then, so you could play that in your car or whatever, and then you could walk into the house and be like, hey, mom, how's it going? You know? (laughs) It's it's that way of feeling supported by a community somehow without actually taking it out on your community, on your network. Exactly. Well, and it's really cool to think that because like, 
I really believe that compassion and empathy really has a lot. If you understand music, I feel like you can understand that a little bit better too. Just yeah. that's how I approached it. But um, I think that if you're in a place where you can listen to music very critically and you can listen to music very openly and have that open mind about it, as soon as you put something on, then I think that if you think about people the same way, you can have an open mind and, and kind of, listen to what they need to say or what uh, what they're hoping to communicate with you then you're a lot better off yeah there have been studies done with um reading and how mm. reading and literature does the same thing they had a bunch of kids put into control groups i don't know what study this is mm -hmm. i don't know all that i'm sure you could find it on google yeah or I'll, I'll try to link it below if i can find it again but um they put kids into control groups and the experimental groups and all that and they're like okay well these kids will just be asked a bunch of different questions about um how they view people of different races and stuff and of course they're kids so they don't really have an idea of what they're saying but it's just kind of the notions already in their head mm -hmm. and then they read a bunch of kids um a story and then they asked the same questions after and they found the kids who were read the story about I don't know if it was about a Muslim woman or because I think it was like in Australia or the UK or something. Mm -hmm. So it was like predominantly white kids um, mm -hmm. listening to a story about I think it was a Muslim woman mm -hmm. and they showed less um, prejudiced and racist tendencies in their answers mm -hmm. than the control group who didn't get the story read to them had <laughs> which is an extremely interesting study and extremely important to show the world and be like hey look art and the things that we consume make us more empathetic people they make us look at things from a different point of view and they make us grow straight Absolutely. up yeah and i really love that that's actually really cool yeah but, i really need to find what study that is yeah that would be really awesome i just think that it's it's super important to have the same kind of open mind that you would if a, one of your favorite artists or an artist that you've heard is really good. If you play an album that they've just put out, you all, you go in excited with an open mind and that kind of thing. And yeah. you don't necessarily do that with people, right? Yeah, true. So I think that it's, it's important to be able to make that connection and say like, okay, so I'm going into listening to this album or watching this movie or reading this book with an open mind and some sort of expectation of excitement. And so why don't we do that when we meet someone? Yeah. Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's really interesting. And so I think I found out a lot of that by connecting with people about music because people will experience things in a similar way that you do, which is kind of cool. Yeah. It is. Yeah, I don't know. And I, I didn't necessarily always understand that. But like now that I've kind of surrounded my, myself with people that I can relate to, and I can play an album, and they can be like, whoa, this is the best thing I've ever heard. And like, you get that excitement, you can like, just kind of go with that. It's so cool. I think it's really interesting, too, because people go into listening to music, and they might be like, oh, well, country isn't really my style, but my girlfriend loves it. So I'm going to listen to this album she wants me to listen to and they'll give it a chance but we don't necessarily do that with people the same way we oh. think oh they're friends with this person I hate for some petty reason that happened in elementary school so therefore I'm going to not like them as well and we we don't get over our prejudices exactly the same way we do that we do for art or like appearance too, right? Like yeah. sometimes if someone's like, if someone walks in and they like look way better than I do that day, I'm like, wow, we cannot be friends, right? Like what, yeah. what are you talking about, right? Like why do our brains do that, right? And it just comes down to that kind of prejudice and that mindset that you're in, right? 
and, and approaching your experiences with insecurity rather than an openness to learn. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that that's a big thing. And I think for musicians too, I think a lot of musicians are very like insecure. And I know that sounds kind of crazy because people, especially when they perform, they look so confident and they look so like on top of the world, but that's really Mm -hmm. the only outlet to do that. Right. Yeah. I actually work with a guy and uh, he's pretty quiet. um, When you like talk to him and stuff and he just kind of stays in his own lane and that kind of thing. But he is the lead singer of a metal cover band. And he is so cool. And I've gone to one of his shows before and he just puts it all out there. And you see him and you're like, who the hell are you? Right? And I love that. Like who they present on stage is not necessarily the same person that they are in person. Um, The same thing goes with like Keaton Henson. So he doing shows because he's very, he has a lot of like social anxiety. And he'll talk about that. Um, But the music that he puts out is so powerful that I think that he does do shows just to be able to share that, right? Yeah, and I've, well, from what I've experienced, like, I'm an introvert. And -hmm. when there's a time to perform, I can do it because I have a reason to. But if I have no Mm -hmm. reason to be making that much noise, I won't want to. And you hear about like Robin Williams was an introvert and all these other big people are introverts (laughs) and quieter people. And Mm -hmm. it makes sense. Exactly what you said. Like there needs to be some kind of outlet. Yeah, exactly. So I think that it's, it's really interesting. And that really comes back to like people show them, show what they want of themselves. Right. And there's that framing Mm -hmm. whole, like uh, the highlight reel situation. Right. Like I think that, music is something especially when it comes to something that's already recorded or even like in like a live studio kind of situation where you get so much more from them yeah do you write music as well I don't um I I thought about getting into that but I never felt like that was my outlet um I liked playing music that other people wrote but Mm -hmm. for me my outlet is more writing and uh I do like to paint and I like to do like digital art and that kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. Because for me also colors speak a lot to me. So I think that that's, um, I think that's my outlet more so. So, but when I do art and I write and that kind of thing, I always have music on. Yeah. So that makes sense. It's yeah. a good way to get the the creativity going without actually having to reach in and access it yourself. Exactly. Yeah. So how about how compassion has impacted your life specifically, not necessarily like your view on um, pop culture or anything, but like in your own personal life with your own personal relationships? Mm -hmm. I think um, it has helped me to be a lot more forgiving. Um, So I think that that's something that has been really important to me because like I said before, everybody like makes mistakes and that kind of thing. Um, Sometimes it has made me too forgiving, <laughs> but I think that's something that I will always have to work on. Um, but I think being able to see things from different perspectives has always kind of helped me to get to a place where I can I can talk to people and make friends pretty easily. Um, so I think that that's been really good. Um, but yeah, I think from that perspective, um, relationship-wise, I think that it is just something that um, I tend to be pretty good or I like to think that I'm pretty good at giving advice. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think that's something that, uh, is valuable. 
Yeah. And I think it goes back to the whole listening thing Mm -hmm. and listening, not with the intent to reply, but with the intent to actually get the full meaning from the other person. Absolutely. And I think that's, that's a skill you have to practice, right? Mm -hmm. I, I, did not used to be a very good listener because I always liked to talk. Um, I'm an extrovert. <laughs> so I like to, be able to like share things in, in a way that kind of works for me. Um, and I do like to hear the sound of my own voice. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> so I do like to just kind of keep going. Um, and so I interrupted people a lot, like very unintentionally. It was just because I was excited to kind of add on to the conversation mm-hmm. but I was thinking more so about what I was going to say rather than taking in what other people were actually sharing and mm-hmm. so then uh, I think that becoming more compassionate and trying to kind of hear more so than just kind of respond um, has really changed my perspective yeah totally <laughs> it's funny because I am so introverted and you're so extroverted yeah. Yet you somehow get me to talk. I do. Yeah. And you're still a very good listener, I find. So, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, taken practice for sure. I did not always used to be that way. But I do think that it is important to let people know that you have an open mind because I think it's pretty evident when people don't. Um, and yeah. I do not like talking to those people about things that matter to me because mm-hmm. I don't really want that kind of, I don't want to have to over explain to someone that's really never going to try and get it so yeah yeah, because I think that that does happen Um, but that's not like a permanent thing right like if you find that you're closed-minded or you do find that you don't have deep conversations with people you can become a good listener there are like podcasts and books and articles and tons and tons of things that you can do to just kind of start to assess your listening and I think that it's important to just do that even when you do think that you're a good listener like it's it's a constant learning thing. It's like you said, it's practice. And we talked about practicing before. It needs to be yeah. intentional. It needs to have a focus. It needs mm-hmm. to be a little bit at a time. Exactly. Well, yeah, if you're going to try and go in there and a, learn a full like Beethoven sonata, which some of them are like a hundred and some pages, by the way. Um, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, no, those are some crazy ones. Um, but if you're going to go in and be like, I'm going to learn that tomorrow, you're not going to be successful at it. I don't really care how good you are. <laughs> Maybe you're part of that like one or point zero zero one percent of people that's like prodigy. But like, <laughs> but yeah, we can't all be Elton John. Exactly. Yeah. Like, so in reality, like listening and being compassionate and being empathetic is not something that you're just going to pick up. It's something that is going to take a lot of intentional work and a lot of self-reflection and that kind of thing. And I think understanding yourself too helps that helps with that. And I don't think that I fully know myself yet. I'm only 22 and I feel like that's something that you only do when you're like 90. But <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. But at the same time, you are a musician who feels things. And I think I think that's a reason that artists are so empathetic and good at evolving their styles and growing their work over time. It's because as people, they're looking at the world, assessing things and growing as people over time. Mm-hmm, exactly. Well, and I, I think that it's important to also expose yourself to a lot of different medium and a lot yeah. of different, uh, like, and a lot of different 
like artist styles and a lot of different writer styles and that kind of thing. So I like to read. I also really like to like listen to music, right? Obviously the audio file. But uh, I think just those different perspectives really just expands your worldview and helps you to develop those like listening muscles and compassion muscles and empathetic muscles. So. Okay. I'm going to ask a question now that you might not want to answer. What's a song or artist you cannot listen to and why? Ooh, good question. One I cannot listen to. Uh, okay, well, right now, Takashi69, um, because he's ridiculous, and <laughs> I don't think that he's very talented. And I, I think that he's just... There's that whole concept. I actually watched an incredible video the other day. I will share it with you, and you can link it in. Um, but he basically talked about how... Um, he connected it actually to Donald Trump's presidency. Oof. So he talked about how people, um, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, he talked about how people expect to be entertained for free all the time. That's, that's true. true. It's a hundred percent true. Like, and I'm completely susceptible to that. <laughs> I want to be entertained, right? Like that's, it keeps me excited. It keeps me interested. Right. Same thing with everybody. Yeah. So, We've let that seep into everything, right? Music, politics, like movies, right? Like the most ridiculous things that are not even really good <laughs> have just become things that we have kind of let become the new normal, right? Mm-hmm. So Takashi69 um, is just very... I just can't relate to him at all. I can't. There's, and I don't think that his music comes with any sort of deeper meaning than the fact that he just wants to make some money and, and get people hyped up. And I, I just don't like it. <laughs> That's fair. I think there are, cause I don't listen to a lot of top 40 mm-hmm. um, music and music in that style. Um, mostly cause when, Music kind of started from like early 2000s pop still and and those charts still had rock music and still had some like, you know, mm-hmm. genre overlap. And as time went on, it became more the very, very specific pop style. And some yeah. of those artists that I heard first that completely turned me off from that style were totally, totally just like trust fund babies in it for the money. And I can't name you yeah. their names, but like you can yeah. just kind of tell because they're they're the hit formula mm-hmm. artists which there's nothing yeah. wrong with writing a song to feel good but when that's all you can do and you have nothing bigger to say about it mm-hmm. it I, I do think it's problematic for music like Ariana Grande has some some um hit formula songs but she also has some very very innovative songs and she's doing things because she feels it not because she wants money for it yeah if you've listened to the Sweetener album it's actually very good I really enjoyed it when it came out um but yeah, they're uh, just those artists, like you said, those like the hit formulas or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah. they're bop too, but like. Can you name some? Because I honestly don't, can't remember. Any. Oh, man. I'm trying to. Even... I don't want, I don't want to just like, you know, like bulldoze over anybody's musical reputation, but I personally don't mm-hmm. know what I'm talking about. So. Yeah. I, you know what? Off the top of my head. And that's the other thing that really comes down to them is that they're so forgettable. Well, yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> right like and that's I think that's where it comes down to like people who really do appreciate music and actually listen to music with the intent to take more from it than just like 
a split second of enjoyment and just wait for the next hit to come out, then I think that those people just like, it's like, a, they just don't care about it to the same level, right? And so yeah. I think kind of looking at it with more compassion, right? Because I don't appreciate those either. <laughs> um, yeah. Those people just, it's easy, right? It's very easy to find. You can enjoy it really quickly mm-hmm. and then you just wait for the next one, right? Yeah. I'm looking at uh I'm starting to think about Rebecca Black and I think that sums it up perfectly where it's just somebody who comes from a wealthy family kind of related to the industry put out a song everyone vibed to it or maybe didn't for a little while and then it was gone and that's why I'm not into that genre of music as much exactly yeah and I I completely agree with that I think that it's that's uh it's interesting for sure and like even if you think about like the fact that kim kardashian had a single like what she did when it's like a long time ago i don't i can't even name it like i can't even Big oof. She, she tried that right um i have a lot of respect for kim kardashian in a lot of other ways and a lot of not so respectful things to say about kim, kim kardashian in a lot of different ways too i don't know mm-hmm. she's a cool character too um but uh yeah i don't know it's a lot of people just kind of like decide that they're going to be musicians because they have those connections and they're not actually musicians. They're just like, they're just part of that formula. So I think that that's, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't have a lot of respect for that kind of music. Um, there is also right now, um, the SoundCloud artists are kind of taking over the world right now, but um, where a bunch of people who are especially like wannabe rappers that don't really have anything to talk about except what they think that they have to rap about so like sex money drugs um and then they'll put out like 20 songs that are each a minute and a half to two and a half minutes long and hope that one of them catches and that's that's not the point of music no in my personal opinion historically the point of music is to be a, a, a community thing to express things not to just get picked up by a label who doesn't care about you anyway yeah so that's where kind of that whole idea of like one hit wonders come in too right and uh there's like a whole suite of rappers right now that are really trying to do that that are like literally so young too that are like 16 17 18 and they're making like a bunch of money um just off their song and then they just stop or they'll just put out a bunch of really shitty songs in like 27 or 30 songs in an album and then just hope Mm -hmm. they keep their fan base right it's kind of crazy um because some of it can be decent and there are a lot of people that really do like that stuff right now I'm just not really one of them Mm -hmm. Uh, because I don't think that it has the same like emotive qualities and it it doesn't really do the same thing for me Mm -hmm. so yeah, it's uh, I think that especially because music is an industry, some people do it well and some people do it to be in the industry. Yeah, yeah, and that's I think that's exactly a very well said version of what I was trying to say before. Mm-hmm. Some people just want to be in the industry, and I feel like I talk about this a lot about how I think that the whole individuality thing that we have in western culture drives that so much people Mm -hmm. want to be the best they want to be on top they want to see their face and hear their voice everywhere Mm -hmm. and it's a very alienating society for a lot of people for most Mm -hmm. of us I think 
because we're all starved to have interaction, which is really crappy. And I think that creates a place for this kind of fabricated quote unquote music to be made because it's, it's not inventive or original. It's not actually expressing anything that means anything to necessarily the listener or the artist. Mm -hmm. It could be good for some good summer vibes, but after that one or that, you know, after that one afternoon is over, you never want to listen to it again. And that's not exactly the thing I want to spend my time on. Exactly. Well, and I, I really, really value curation. I think that that Mm -hmm. actually kind of, uh, it distinguishes the artists that are very, very talented and that have, are very emotive from the artists that just like to put out music. Um, Mm -hmm. Because if they're able to put together an album, and this has a lot to do with like their producers and like, and that kind of thing. And there's a lot of behind the scenes work that goes into it. But if they're able to put together an album that tells a story that is dynamic, that is, it's so artfully put together. Like, it's like you finally figured out this crazy math equation, right? Like, and you've Mm -hmm. been able to find all of those steps, how you get to the end and tell what you want to like, tell people what you want to tell them. So curation really helps to do that, right? Um, I I think that Drake is terrible at curation. <laughs> I'm going to get a lot of heat for that. But uh, he he puts out some really good jams, not going to lie. Like I like One Dance, you can't tell me that you don't love that song, right? Like, it's just I, I'm so sorry. I don't think I've ever heard that song. That's okay. Honestly, it's... <laughs> It's one of those top 40 ones that you listen to and you're like, dang, cool, right? And like, and so then you listen to that and like, I'm not going to lie, I still listen to Proud of You every time I do cardio because <laughs> I feel like he's talking to me. <laughs> and so it's good, right? But I cannot listen to a Drake album all the way through and be like, yeah, that was good. <laughs> like, no, I cannot do that because... So much of it is, like, he just puts out as many songs as he wants, puts together, like, an album that has, like, 27 songs in it. A lot of them sound very similar. And then it's kind of that formula that he's hoping Mm -hmm. some of them will just kind of, like, pick up on, right? I did not know that. And that totally is exactly what I think is, is wrong with the music industry versus just making music and letting people hear it. Yeah. Yeah, like, if you, like, going to, like, some of the greats, like, those albums, right? Like, even if you go into, like, a Pink Floyd album, every song is there for a reason. Yeah. Like, you can't, you can't tell me that, like, some of them are, like, obviously some of them are better than others, and you can enjoy one or, like, feel one more than the other or whatever. But as, like, a, a group and as an artist, they really put that together so that people would like understand things a different way right and so that yeah, they, they could... had a vision for it all exactly um you can kind of move forward through that like through generations too right like like nirvana right like they didn't just put songs on there because they had it right mm-hmm. that's the other thing that a lot of artists like some of the most talented artists the artists that like you think of most or whatever they have a lot of music that is unreleased right yeah a and lot a lot right artists that don't have anything that's unreleased or like that have kind of a pocket of or that don't have that pocket back pocket of stuff that they're like not sure where it fits they're not good at curation because they have to be able to pick things out that shouldn't be there 
Yeah. And I, I also think it's the difference in the industry now, because now we have a single based industry, which is fine, because that's what the music industry was at the dawn of time with blues artists. Exactly. The reason so many old, old blues songs sound the same is because an artist could go in, record this song, then they change the lyrics, go in, record mm -hmm. it again with the new lyrics, and they'd be two separate singles. They didn't think yeah. of it really that way, but that's how we can think of it now. We mm -hmm. have a single based music economy now. But like when you talk about Pink Floyd, it was album based where there was I, like definitely artists now still have their themes that they go with through time, through the years. Mm -hmm. But back when everything was album based, there was a definite goal in what they were trying to say, a specific style they were supposed to have. Mm -hmm. And I don't feel like something like Pink Floyd could happen now unless we have that same attention span for an entire album being linked together and having that deeper connection all the songs having that deeper connection to one another like mm -hmm. a saucer full of secrets which is from 1968 and had sid barrett as the lead vocalist and lead writer mm -hmm. is completely different from dark side of the moon oh, which was sure. early 70s um 73 i think and they have like they're just completely there's different people there's different moods and there's there there's just a different goal in mind so even Absolutely. though it's the same band they grew through albums instead of growing through singles and growing through i mean hit formulas mm -hmm. <laughs> they didn't do that oh, yeah. yeah well and like that's the thing that kanye west is very good at actually is uh album curation um, so if you listen to one of my favorite Kanye West albums is, uh, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, and it tells a story through the entire thing. Kendrick Lamar does the same thing. He's very good. So like, I go back to, to Pimp a Butterfly and like Into Dam, which came out in 2017, I think. Um, and like, they tell a story through the whole thing, right? Mm -hmm. And you see things evolve. Uh, Beyonce's Lemonade is a very good example of that, right? Yeah. Um, such a powerful album because it talks about like the whole album is about Jay-Z cheating on her. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the first one, um, it's called pray you catch me. And so it's basically like her process finding out about him cheating on her and yeah. then going through the different stages of grief. Right. And like, it's so cool to listen to it all together. And so I think that's why for me, I like to actually go into the album and listen to it in order. Um, because I think that uh, a lot of times, I'm not going to say all the time, but a lot of times artists put it in that order for a reason. And if by chance they didn't put the order in there, but it meant something to me and it told a story to me, that's still cool. You know, like I think that yeah. it's still so awesome to be able to listen to that in an order and understand why it's all put together that way. I so believe in that. I don't, I've never been someone to just listen to singles. I might really like a song, but chances are if I really like somebody's song, I'm going to like some of their other songs. So I might as well just check out the whole album. Exactly. And the type of music I listen to rock is still very much, um, not very much in an album format. It has changed to more of a single format as well, mm -hmm. but it is more of an album format than pop music is now. Right. And coming at it from a music producer point of view, because that's what I did in university and that's kind of how I more identify now. Mm -hmm. um, that is something that we talk about all the time when I'm recording people. Even I, I recorded for a school project, just a three song EP for a band. And 
a huge important thing I had to talk with the band was, uh, about was, okay, well, what order are, the, are these songs going in? Because I'm going to mix them differently. Exactly. Based on what story you're trying to tell. Do you need this song to be softer after the super loud one to get like the, the vulnerability across? Or do you want it to be louder? That way it can build into a louder song afterwards. Like I need to know these things as the person mixing it. And the band needs to know these things to properly get the the performance that they want out of it no not all music is like that but I think it's so powerful when it is oh exactly well and I think about that not as a music creator but as an audiophile and a music appreciator so when I create my playlists that I like to listen to Mm -hmm. I like to order my music the way that it should be in my head you know like to be able to tell the story or emote the things that I want it to Um, and I spend a lot of time doing that so like I'll put music onto a playlist and then change the order here and there. Um, I have to make sure that I'm not being like I'm not overdoing it, right? Because then mm-hmm. at that point, then it's not the authentic thing that you want it to be. But certain times, like I'll put a song after another one, and then I'll listen to it, and I'm like, no, that's not right. And so then I'll change that up, right? And so then I I do that even with my playlists now, which is kind of cool. And I I I think that's one of the reasons that I value curation so much too, is that I think that when you put things together in a certain way, you're expressing things differently too. And I Mm -hmm. think that musicians do that. And I think that someone who can appreciate music can do that too. Um, And I think that that even comes down to like DJs too, right? Like being able to like mix things in a way that people want to hear it and will keep people engaged and that kind of thing. That's a reading a room. Exactly. Right. And that's why like a lot of people don't think that DJs are musicians or they're not as artists or whatever, because it's not necessarily like blowing through an instrument or using your fingers to like touch keys or anything like like a mm-hmm. piano is right. Not in the same style, I guess. Um, but being a DJ is an incredible art form. Like it actually yeah. is. Oh, man, you watch the videos of back when they still all used records and they had just their mm-hmm. crates of records and they you could see the an idea light up on their face and they go running back to their mm-hmm. crate of records and they start flicking through for the one that they're thinking of, just tossing sleeves aside, yeah. getting the right one. And maybe they have like two seconds to get it on the turntable, yeah. line it up and get it playing before the next song is done. It is crazy. And their sense of rhythm and their sense of... Uh, of of the tempo and the key of a song and making a transition go just right like that is extreme skill oh yeah like I went to uh I went to Chasing Summer which is a music festival that uh, in Calgary that uh it's like an EDM festival and there are times that I have like EDM moods like I love Flume so much Mm -hmm. (laughs) so good Uh, but anyways like I go through like phases where I'm like into EDM which like that's a weird vibe, but like, okay. Then, um, anyway, so I went to Chasing Summer more so for the experience and for just like going to concerts and stuff. Cause I love that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you could tell the difference between the DJs that were really, really good from the ones that were maybe just still in development or finding their style. And mm-hmm. it was a huge difference. And I didn't think that I didn't really appreciate EDM to the same level as I did before that experience. And then Mm -hmm. when I had that experience and I heard the difference so clearly, I was like, 
oh yeah, this is an art form because like I didn't necessarily have that same idea of it before because I was like, okay, buddy, you're like pressing buttons here to just like make sure that the next song is playing or whatever and mm-hmm. and whatever you're making sure that there's transitions and stuff. But like, no, like you are making sure that the transitions are perfect, that everything aligns the way that it should, that people are like hyped up, that the bass drop hits at the right time and you build that anticipation up and have people on the edge of their like their chairs or the edge of their toes really and like and they're just ready to just go for it right and I love that and I think the other cool thing um about being someone that appreciates music at such a high level like like I do really um is I'm sober a lot of the time through this (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) as a music listener um and as someone who knows a lot of people that are not necessarily the same way um yeah it's very interesting. Um, I'm not saying all the time. Like sometimes I do I, like try different things or whatever with that. But like it definitely is cool to be able to have those emotions and appreciate that and like hear it in a different way. Being sober too. So like I think that that really is a big difference maker too. Yeah, you catch a lot of details and a lot of connections that probably aren't there if you've had six beers already. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like if I, (laughs) I definitely have appreciated one of the playlists that I've made that it was a lo-fi playlist um, Mm -hmm. and I appreciate it sober. But then there was one time that I had a really good joint and like, man, it hit different levels. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to lie. Like there there are times that like, you just, it's a fully different experience, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. State of mind. Whether it's a sober state or not is very important. Oh, yeah. Super crazy important. But yeah, it's uh, I'm sober most of the time. But every so often when I have that different experience, it's so cool. But yeah, like I'm I'm one super weird. And a lot of people will tell you this is super weird. But I go to concerts 100% sober. I don't think that's that bizarre at all. Like I usually go to concerts and I don't have a drink or anything. Although that is saying I've I've also never been to a proper music festival which is very surprising mm. to even um mm. considering I love music so much I just never really had the chance to and mm-hmm. I was going to this summer it was going to be my festival summer and then oh. and then we all know what happened so yeah. oh, no. so I haven't had the chance to experience music with live music or an event like that um not having my sober brain analyzing things the way yeah. people partying at a festival might. So yeah. I, I was looking forward to see to listening to things differently and that'll have to be put off, but I can still look mm-hmm. forward to it. And I, I see what you mean. It's different. It is different for sure. Like I, especially when I go to concerts with friends or I like go to concert with concerts and see other people or whatever that are yeah. on a lot of different things. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of variety in what they choose. Yeah sober with but uh I think it's really interesting because I generally like to just people watch and appreciate that and Mm -hmm. that also comes down to like my level of interest in the way that people deal with things and the way that people feel things yeah and so I'm a people watcher like crazy I like to see that so um I think definitely music brings that out in people too yeah I should say the times that I do all the times that I have like had a very good time at the bar listening to music was with local shows. So like Mm -hmm. if I, like I've seen Queen a couple times and Mm -hmm. I mean, beer is 10 times more expensive at an arena than it is if you just go to your local bar when a band is playing. 
So sure. I feel like that difference in state of mind is also that I'm a lot more relaxed going mm-hmm. to a local show with mm-hmm. artists that I can talk to after the show and like ask them questions. And it's a little bit of a have a couple drinks, loosen up a bit kind of thing. But then when yeah. I go to a big show, I'm like, I mean, I don't really need this because I, I have nothing. I have no job to do after that. I need liquid courage for, you know? Exactly. Yeah, for sure. That does make a big difference for sure. Yeah. It's, it's very interesting though, to kind of hear the or kind of just see the different ways that people enjoy music though, right? Because yeah. like, I think that some people do need that to loosen up or whatever and feel it at a diff- different level. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I have seen that too, where they, they just want to feel that music like in a fully different way, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's super cool though. Talking about going to shows, mm-hmm. um, I, like I said, haven't been to a bunch of music festivals. You have. How do you mm-hmm. See people interacting with the music differently in a large festival crowd versus when they're just listening alone or with a couple friends in a more intimate setting? Yeah, I think um, in a festival or a concert setting, um, a lot of people are oftentimes looking for the hype of it. Um, And so then they'll kind of plan their festival outfits around it and they'll plan their Instagram pictures around it and that kind of thing. Um, Mm. And so then they enjoy it differently for sure that way. Um, I'm trying to think because I think everybody experiences live music differently. Um, But I also, I also kind of think back to like some of the crazy fans that there are that'll like throw things at the performer and like just, cry at the front of the stage and stuff like that to me is so cool because I'm just like wow like you they did something to you they spoke to you in a certain way I would be lying if I told you that I didn't cry the first time I saw Queen (laughs) I believe that yeah honestly I I think that uh in a concert I've only like I said I'm not really an emotive person I'm not really a crier but I did cry in uh I went to see Beyonce actually Mm mm-hmm Edmonton and uh this was shortly after Prince died um Ah. and she played Purple Rain and had no performers on stage or anything it was actually raining outside and we were in the and they had purple lights shining everywhere I literally get like goosebumps thinking about how amazing that moment was because it was they played the whole song all the way through and just we were in the rain with purple lights around us and everything and it was just so powerful. Um, man, oh, I just think about that. And I'm like, it was just so amazing. And uh, I actually, I had, I was lucky enough that I have toured Prince's house. Um, so really, yeah, they, uh, in Minneapolis, um, it's super cool. He actually has a room called the purple room and it smells like rain. Okay. Oh my god. Um, and like you go through and it's just such a cool place. Um, it's called Paisley Park. But yeah, it's uh amazing. So I have a, a I had a different appreciation of Prince after that too, because I learned a lot more about his life and like I saw where he lived. So I mean <laughs> but yeah, so I think that uh really live music brings different things out of people. Um but I think a lot of that has to do with 
like what concert you're at too and what, uh, what the environment mm-hmm. is if it's a smaller concert if it's bigger um, I have been to concerts that uh, are in like smaller arenas or whatever I saw Milky Chance actually um, and it was so good it was one of my favorite concerts I was 100% sober that day too um, <laughs> but uh, they had a harmonica player actually that just like stole the room so cool like and it's just amazing right i know like a harmonica player just getting everybody hyped up like what so like it's like when lizzo brings her flute out you're like hell yeah girl play that flute right because it's so unexpected and it's so interesting so like i it really depends on the concert that you're at and the the crowd and the space and that kind of thing i agree with that because now living in edmonton i have to say edmonton I am so disappointed in how you treat musical guests mm. because in Saskatchewan, I mean, obviously, Elena, we met in good old Saskatchewan. Yeah. Um, people are so excited when concerts come to Saskatchewan because we're a small population who don't get that many concerts. Yeah. Saskatchewan has loud crowds. Mm-hmm. Saskatchewan buys merch. Saskatchewan has all of the promotion going on. Everybody goes to the shows. For sure. And here in Edmonton, people are like, I'll just catch them next time. Oh, they don't care. Yeah, we don't know what the next time will be. (laughs) Yeah, people just straight up 75% less excitement in a stadium. In a bigger stadium, the crowds are quieter. Yeah. It is really disappointing to me because I saw Queen once in Saskatchewan and I saw them once in Edmonton and the difference was, the difference was so, so great. Yeah. Well, and I think too, like I, I've been to a lot of concerts here and, uh, it's so cool to see the different people that pop out. Um, so I mentioned yeah. before I went to Black Sabbath um, and I was like fully yeah. like 13 years old or something like that. Like I was, I couldn't even drive yet. Um, <laughs> um, but you saw the craziest characters just popping out. You're like, yeah, where do you, what? How have I never seen you before? You're so easy to distinguish. And then you're like, wait, there are thousands of you. And it's like, it's so interesting. Yeah. It's like, pulled up with their like huge long beards and like leather coats and you're like whoa okay um super interesting though but that is actually something that uh, a lot of artists really appreciate in Saskatchewan and they play a lot of shows here too so like Elton John sold out I think it was three full nights in a row and then he put it or maybe it was two and then he put out another show so that people could go um, yeah, who's the country artist who had like six sold out shows? Garth Brooks. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. That guy. Literally like night after night after night after night of sold out shows. Like what? Yeah. And and you got to like think about the population of Saskatoon. Like it's like 300,000 people, right? How do you Yeah, that? it's it's people from the entire province going there. Oh yeah, cuz there's a, like the province is about a million, right? So Yeah. He, I, the arena that he sold out was 15,000 people. And he sold it out six times. Like, what? Yeah. That's insane, right? Like, you, you think about that, and you're like, that's that takes something special, right? Especially with a, a group of, or, like, a population that small of having that many yeah. people. Um, yeah, people are either driving hours and hours and hours to get there, or people are going multiple, multiple, multiple times. Which actually did happen. There are people that went, like, three or four times. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Like, yeah. Which, again... 
because he might not come through again. And I, I do have to say, of course, like it depends on who the artist is because um, Dweezil Zappa, Frank Zappa's son came mm -hmm. and did a concert here in Edmonton. I don't know how well attended it was because I uh, broke my heart. I wasn't able to go, oh. but it that that's definitely a show that has an extremely excited fan base even though the fan base is smaller and I don't know if the fan base would be big enough in Saskatchewan to warrant a show so it exactly. does depend on the size of the artist but yeah. like the, the Dweezil Zappa show people were so so excited for that one so like it, it it does depend but overall I think Saskatchewan's a better place to see a concert there's more there's way more energy oh yeah it's it's amazing to go to concerts here for sure like and because everybody's like it's a full event like people get so yeah. excited about it. they go to dinner first and then they go to the concert um especially country artists do really really well here um yeah so like that's that's cool. Like I've been to a couple country concerts just because they've come and I've been like, yeah, sure. Um, I'm not yeah. like, a diehard country fan, but there's, I have phases. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, well, that's like once I, I was invited to an Ed Sheeran concert in Saskatoon and I was like, I've never listened to Ed Sheeran in my life. I was in high school and I was like, why not? Yeah. So I just went and I saw Ed Sheeran and I'm kind of like, that's weird that that happened, but you know, I'm, I'm not mad about it. It's like when I went to the Holy Lips with you, like I, what? <laughs> oh god see that was like totally my thing and I was like Elena there will be confetti you'll like it there was so much confetti but I love that concert it was one of the craziest concerts I've ever gone to the amount of like the imagination that took to put that concert on like just for some context for the listeners there's like there's literally like a giant blow-up robot and like there was a unicorn. He rode in on a unicorn. He rode a unicorn. Wayne Coyne was wearing an eye patch the whole time. Yeah, I'm like, okay. Um, um, he uh, crowd surfed in a hamster wheel, like, or like a bubble thing, you know what they Yeah, like, to, to Space Oddity of all songs. Yeah, like, okay. <laughs> it was an amazing concert, though. Like, I, I'd recommend it. Um, but it's kind of cool to be able to, like, just have that open mind, right? Like, I love music. So even if I'm not like an avid fan of the Flaming Lips and like, even if I don't listen to them now, the concert was just like, I was able to appreciate what was put on the table there. Mm -hmm. I, I think that live music is an amazing way for anybody to get into a band. Oh, it's really exciting to go to a show and already know all the words or already know when the guitar solo comes in and all that. Mm -hmm. But it's also a really special thing when you experience something live, it strikes a chord with you and you have this moment before and you have no other reason for that moment to happen. You have no prior knowledge, but that music is obviously just resonating with you in some capacity. That's a super cool thing. For sure. Yeah. And I think that can happen like at any time, like it can be, it can surprise you, right? You can sit there and be like, well, yeah, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. What do you... Um, cause you like to listen to songs that have that deeper layer. Mm -hmm. What about songs that are extremely metaphorical that you don't necessarily know what they're about? How do you approach those songs? Sometimes I'll actually just Google it. Um, which like, ah, like what's that song that I'm thinking of right now? Um, uh, man, uh, Lord did a, uh, um, cover of it. Anyways, whatever. I fully had to Google it because I was like, I don't understand. <laughs> so then, but then once I do that, then I get like a way better understanding of it. And I'm like, oh, cool. Um, the other thing is too, is just like talking to other people about it. 
Um, so mm-hmm. like I have kind of a community of people that I'll talk to me, talk to them about music um, for like hours about. And you learn yeah. a lot just from doing that too. Um, like I learned basically with Frank Ocean's channel Orange, what each song meant. And it was very metaphorical. And I didn't really get that for the first couple of times that I listened to it. And then mm-hmm. when you do find those people that have done that research or have just kind of learned more about the artist, then you can just kind of do that. So I think really building that community of people that just have that same appreciation for different artists that you like or the different albums yeah. that you like just helps with that. I think that's really interesting you say that because as somebody who writes songs like with my band um I wrote I wrote all the songs and I I have people come up to me and be like oh yeah this is cool whatever blah 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 blah. what's it about Mm -hmm. and I think it is so obvious yeah I think that the thing I wrote about is the most obvious thing in the world that you can see right through me that you know what my life is about and people have no idea Even my bandmates every now and then are like, oh, yeah, like, where'd this come from? And I'm like, what are you talking about? This is about this place that we both have gone to together, you know, like, and so the idea of metaphors and having to know about the artists or having to know about the way they write in order to understand what their metaphor means is a very interesting subject to me. For sure. Well, and I think about that even, too, with like the art that I produced in terms of like digital art and that kind of thing. To me, I'm like, well, obviously, this is about this experience that I had. And I've told you about this experience. So why don't you see it or whatever? And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, no, like, there are different interpretations about this. So that's the other cool thing about like the metaphors and like the the deeper meanings behind the songs or the albums or whatever, is that it's mm-hmm. kind of like a giant game of telephone, too. Right. So yeah, the story you might hear about it may not actually be the truth. Right. But that's kind of the... I don't know, the allure of it too, right? Because you can hear that and then you can kind of make your own interpretations about it and then just hear what you want to hear, right? Um, yeah. And take what you want from it. And maybe it's different than what uh, the artist intended that to be, but that also could be kind of a, I don't know, a connection point where you can say like, oh, you this triggered something else that maybe you didn't intend to, right? So it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also you you write as well, so... Yeah, yeah. You you have a different you you. It's interesting because songwriting um is different than other types of writing because you need to take into consideration the tone of the music itself, whether it's major or minor, and what the rhythm is. But mm-hmm. it, it's still a different kind of. It's still very similar to other kinds of writing because you're still putting down personal things, even if you're not talking about a personal subject. Your bias is still going to be there, and like, how are people going to read that? Exactly. Well, yeah, for sure. Like, and you could have had something on your mind the entire time that you created something, right? And you may never share that. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, totally. Super cool. All right. I think I'm out of questions. Awesome. Wow. I feel like we covered a lot. <laughs> we talked enough for me to split this up into two episodes. Whoa. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, like I said, Hell yeah. I talk about this forever. Like, I just think that there's so much, and there's so much that I still don't know, too. Like, as much of an mm-hmm. audio file that I am, like, there are always albums that I'm like, how come I haven't listened to this yet? <laughs> yeah, I love when people sit me down and they're like, you have to listen to it and you have to do it now. Yeah. 
Because, you know, there's always that list of things that you want to listen to that you never get around to. But if somebody knows you're free and they're like, you have no excuse, do this now. It's really exciting. So I'm like, oh, okay, what am I going to experience? What am I going to discover? There you go. Yeah, like the recommended listening that I'll send you. You can just pop on in there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man, I'm going to have to link every single song and album we talked about. Oh, so yeah. oh, I- our listeners will have a lot. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Man, another one that I could just bring up, James Blake so good he put out this album called assume form very good just a little thought <laughs> i didn't really say anything but i just love it <laughs> i'll i'll reach out to him and ask him to be a uh, next guest next time i interview you perfect i love that. I, would, <laughs> I would just be so happy <laughs> man yeah i actually interesting i used to go for runs to james blake and if you listen to james blake then it's like kind of weird that i do that because it's more on the chill side I can see that though gets you a bit into the mind space of of uh of just doing your thing yeah like more of a relaxed run that's what I like yeah yeah I like that so all right um anything else to add I don't think so I think that uh, we covered a lot we definitely covered a lot all right I'm going to sign off now Well, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for coming on and for sharing your views on so many different subjects. We talked about so many different things. So that is absolutely awesome. All right, everybody. That (laughs) That was Elena Moxness talking about music, compassion, life, uh, going to concerts and society because smart stuff. Have a good week. Thank you for tuning in to Natter the Zillennial podcast. Take care.